0: Greats, and I've got a, a really great person here with me today to talk about something that I kind of want to be challenged on, and I and I hope you do too. Um, uh, Lewis Byrd is here with me today. Lewis, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. You've got a lot of projects going on right now. Got a few things, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into those, man. Um, so I always want to start out with you know understanding you know what what's delivered you to Kansas City. Uh, did you, were you born and raised here or what?
1: Yeah, uh, born and raised here in Kansas City on the east side, okay. um, 32nd and Cypress and Spruce. Um, yeah, lived here most of my life.
0: <laughs> Very cool. And when you, uh, when you were done with school, you ended up at Mizzou, right? Yep.
1: I went to uh, Mizzou for electrical engineering, math minor background, and after that, moved to Minneapolis and pursued another degree in audio production.
0: Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty diverse. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, I think a lot of people don't realize the electrical engineering side and signals and, and right. waves and stuff, that really helps a lot of understanding on the audio thing. Exactly. A lot of
1: <laughs> digital <laughs> signal processing and just understanding the electronics of, of circuitry and a uh, recording aspect. Very cool. What
0: led you initially? I mean, obviously you probably went to Mizzou with an interest in, in this stuff um where where did all that come from were you into music and you wanted to help produce it or what
1: yeah yeah um well i've always been a very um creative and artistic type of person um even in high school i went to pocell academy which is a visual performing arts school oh cool where i majored in music i was a vocal music major um nice and then by the time it was uh, it was time for us to go off to college. It was kind of like, okay, what's the likelihood of me becoming like this world-renowned songwriter, producer, singer guy? <laughs> I'm very good at math and science, so let me just take this conventional route. Uh, engineering looks cool. So okay. so that's how I ended up in engineering. And then by the time I got to my—and I, I stayed doing music through that time as well. But by the time I got to like my junior year, sophomore, junior year of college, I realized that I really didn't like— the engineering aspect, the traditional sense. Um, but by that time, it was too late to switch majors. And honestly, what I did it was a, an internship at a local utility. I won't mention them, but it's a big one here in town. Sure. We all have. Uh, but but that experience alone is what kind of led me to, okay, this isn't for me.
0: So it wasn't necessarily the material as much as the day-to-day of what the engineer did. Yeah. probably just didn't. didn't have the creative or what
1: yeah well some of my engineering buddies might get on me about this but (laughs) but i just felt like what what does the engineer really do like i mean yeah you 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 solve a problem technically but working at this at this facility it might just be been this one company but you know i saw that the smartest people was actually the people that was that didn't have engineering background it was the people that were the the foremans in the in the plants and things like that those were the people that was the real geniuses they were the they were the ones to solve the problems. So I was like
0: The real hands-on Yeah, they were the ones
1: that are that are solving this thing and the engineer asked them questions. Uh, what do you think it is? So I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Well that's cool, man. That's that's unique though to get that early on, but you know, as an intern yeah. versus getting out there and kinda of getting whacked in the head with it as your right. first job or something. Right. So cool. So then that took you to getting back to connect it to music. Yeah. Right? And like
1: I said, I was always doing music, but then I, I felt like Again, me being kind of a type A analytical person, I was just kind of like, well, maybe I should get a degree in in audio engineering to, to basically spruce up my already natural engineering and, and music production abilities. And then that's how I ended up in Minneapolis. Okay. Because uh, there's an institute there. Yeah. Institute of that. Production and Recording. And that was a, a totally different experience. Yeah. Uh, Long story short, Scott, I have very strong opinions about education <laughs> uh, in the sense of going to a more traditional university versus a more vocational type of degree program, and both have major issues. So. Yeah, well, I
0: think you're right, and I think that's something that's being tackled a lot lately. Hopefully, right, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> probably could be more. You right. know, I remember my mom was a superintendent when I was uh, a little bit younger, and Kind of hearing the, the secondhand stuff, there, mm. there's some odd thinking in education, still, yes, for yes. sure. Well, one of the things the projects that you're working on right now mm-hmm. is something called. and You're going to have to correct me if I get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Is it Awari? Correct. It, okay. Good job. Yeah. So tell us about that because that that's really what caused me to reach out to you because mm-hmm. it's it's looking to tackle something that that I think I don't understand very well. Right. So help me help me with this one.
1: All right. Well, AWARI, first and foremost, is a cognitive technology, basically artificial intelligence um, that utilizes machine learning, natural language uh, processing that essentially what it does is we design it to analyze performance reviews and look for hidden bias. Um, Here's the thing. Everybody has bias. No matter who you are, we all have some form of a bias and that bias is built off of our background in life you know sure. it starts as early as when you're in a womb <laughs> to you know your parents first and foremost uh then your 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 most immediate family then whatever neighborhood you grow in and what school you go to what church you attend Just, if you if you attend church yeah tons of environments
0: yeah. and <laughs> your educational environment right. everything yeah
1: terms. everything media is a, a huge thing uh, okay so. So you know that all these different stimulus that come in your life throughout throughout your life is what helps your background grows grows and then from there it kind of impacts your bias, okay. um, and that can be you know that can have strong negative opinions towards certain topics or certain people or certain regions. Be that race, gender, race, gender,
0: whatever, educational background. I'm never, yeah, exactly. Endless, right? Endless. Uh, okay.
1: So, so when you understand that, at least from my, my my side of things, you start to really realize that a lot of times people's quote-unquote natural reaction isn't always a natural thing per se. It's more so something that was taught to them. It was something that was kind of like embedded inside their brain over time. Um,
0: Stimulus response. that They're yeah. just...
1: Trained to it's, do. It's trained, it's wired into them. Now, just like, you know, kind of going back to engineering, just like any form of a circuit, you can rewire a circuit okay. if you understand what you're doing, right? Uh, with that being said, when it comes to your bias and, and specifically implicit or unconscious bias, you know, that's something that's hard to see. No, again, hence the name, unconscious. Nobody knows <laughs> exactly. it's there, right? Okay. Uh, but the, the the goal of our technology with Awari is to help bring in that proverbial um, flashlight to shine it on a person's bias or a department's bias or a company's bias and help them, okay, now you understand that you're, you're, this individual or this department or this company has a strong uh, negative bias towards women or gender, or it can be a strong prefer- preferential bias towards uh, older people. It can be all kinds of things in there. Okay. So um, my my opinion on that is, once you actually understand what types of biases that you have, whether it's uh, a strong negative bias or a positive preferential bias, the goal is to be neutral. You want to be objective about everything.
0: That's, I think that's probably a lot harder. Yeah,
1: it's things. it's very hard, right? Um, but you know, the goal with with Awari is to shine that light on it, and then from there, help companies. Uh, strategically and systemically bringing that objectivity to their their system, because I I for one believe that it's it's, it's damn hard. Can I say damn on here? Yeah. Okay. Well, we just did. <laughs> Sorry. So. There you go. <laughs> it's damn hard to to change someone's mind unless they want to change their mind. Right. Um. And but if you if you're working in a workplace, you have a company, you can do strategic and systemic things to mitigate bias. Okay. Whether that's changing how you you go about your hiring process, your um, performance appraisal process, um, interjecting in certain objective points of views, so that's that's our goal is to one with Awari help companies realize where's their bias and they can track it over time and they can see how are things progressing. So
0: basically, not basically, it's very complex. It sounds like yeah. um, you know your platform is going to be able to you know, use its machine learning algorithms to go through all of their performance evals mm-hmm. and, and figure out, okay, these are the specific things that you maybe like, specific language they're using? Yes. Or, or stuff like that to just, just, like you said, shine a flashlight on something they don't know they're doing. Right. You know, it's funny you say that because I just... Just this week, I, I've thought about this a lot and, and I've read some of your stuff on like through LinkedIn and I I've thought about little things that I'm doing. Um, I noticed this week that when I was writing emails, uh, I, I interact with couples in my mm-hmm. day job a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> married or, or together. So I'll start emails just kind of flippantly with, hey guys. Yeah. And I I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to, maybe that's a window to my unconscious bias. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm using that language. Is it something I'm intending to pointedly um, belittle or offend them? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it is. But it's things like that, right? Yes,
1: exactly. It's, it's things such as, hey, guys, it can be as simple as uh, a policeman. Or if you're writing, okay, um... A doctor, you know, is a surgeon is performing uh open heart surgery on someone and he is, you know, and but it's not necessarily talking about a specific male doctor, it's just saying like it's assuming that the, the surgeon is a male. Right. You know, in the in the article or something like that. So yeah, it it comes across in language or for example, um if somebody's doing like a, a performance review on a woman and she and he or she says that she's very aggressive or she's very uh abrasive in her approach well versus
0: direct and forthright exactly or, which would be, or honest yeah okay
1: so that's that's these are some of the things that we tend to do um and again it's a lot of things come back to society how it programs us to think and view certain people um mm-hmm. you know and that's something that we have to address
0: okay so Obviously, this is uh, not obviously, but it seems to me that this is something that's probably born. Um, number one, you've you've probably experienced it. Yes. Um. You, you know, you're a minority in a field that is is decidedly non minority originally with engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So you've probably seen it firsthand. But it's it's more than that. Mm-hmm. You've this is data based, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> data driven. You know, technology. Yes. There's been a lot of stuff looked at and a lot of studies to show that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And from an extremely non-minority perspective, this doesn't come off as... I i, I think typical white guy sees a lot of diversity or bias training mm-hmm. as threatening initially mm-hmm. when, when they're first presented with it. And right. I think that's a pretty old unconscious bias. Right. Right. So um, but this doesn't come off that way. Well, that's good <laughs> uh, to me. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not we're going to club you in the head. We're going to help. Right. You know, Is that kind of, that seems like the direction you're going.
1: That's exactly the, the direction, because um, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a strong critic of a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives and approaches. Um, and this is probably me being a outsider going, kind of tap dancing into this this field. <laughs> sure. and, and, and here's the reality. I'm not that guy. I'm not the diversity. You know, I'm very clear to tell people I'm not a diversity consultant. Um, I just see an issue, even within their own industry, that's like, clearly you guys have Fifty plus years to try to figure this out, you know, and still, yeah, we. and we're not seeing any no. change. So, you know, I'm looking at it like we have to innovate and use new, new, new ways and new approaches that don't make certain people feel threatened or shamed or, or, and a lot of diversity programs, in their defense, they're not doing that any, anymore. Like they did in the '80s and stuff yeah. like that. It was all about. You white people, you white men. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. It, it's not necessarily like that anymore. But even things like unconscious bias training, um, that's literally its a Band-Aid on a bullet wound because it, you have short term success. But if it's not done consistently and more importantly, kind of what I mentioned earlier, if the person isn't willing to change themselves, well, yeah, you can you can shine. you You can do unconscious bias training and it'll help a little bit. Uh, but it's it's got to be something that the individual really wants to to change. For yeah, themselves. I mean that's
0: a that that statement to me stems the or starts the bridge between unconscious and conscious. Conscious, thoughts. exactly. Because if someone reacts in a way when they're when they're shown these mm-hmm. in, in a negative way, where they're like just completely resistant. Mm-hmm maybe that's starting to shine a light on there's something that they're choosing. Right. Right? Right. I, I mean, I, I don't know. This is not my field, so it's it's kind of new thinking to me is mm-hmm. to understand this. And um, this has got to be something really hard to struggle with for big HR departments, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it, it is. And uh, real quick, Scott, let me back up for one second. Uh, I just want to be completely transparent. Me going into this field, it was... A lot due to my personal reasons, in the sense that I experienced these things, right? Yeah. Um, but even still, I was also one of the per- people that was, you know, acting out or, or displaying some bias as well. So, so give you a background. At one point in, in my life, I wasn't the the minority. You know, growing up in a in, in Kansas City East Side, going to the Kansas City Public Schools most of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. I was a clear majority at that point, you know (laughs) what I'm saying? A lot of black students uh, at many of the schools I went to to throughout elementary through high school. Um, And this was my thinking. When I decided to go to college, initially I wanted to go to a historically black college and university. But the one that I wanted to go to didn't have my major. Uh, Well, actually, they wanted me to co-enroll at Georgia Tech and. Me being a first-generation college student, I even saw that that was going to be a headache. And I was like, I, yeah. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> well, I know, know
0: tax programs are different. Don't they still go on, like, a, a period program versus uh, semesters and all kinds yeah, of stuff? Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So I, I just saw that being a headache. And um, my second choice was was Mizzou. Um, and I, I remember my thinking at that time before I went to college was, okay, this was my, my true thinking. I've been with black folks for the... Majority of my life, you know, as far as my direct network and mm-hmm. and, and environment, and I was just kind of like, okay, I know one day I'm gonna go out into co- corporate America, and I have to learn how to interact with white people. It's, <laughs> gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna be the opposite. Of yeah, on, on, like it, it's gonna on. it's gonna be that. So so I was just like, okay, going to Mizzou will be a good thing because I can learn a lot. I can start learning how to to network and navigate those waters. So I decided to go to Mizzou and I'll never forget it. My first day on campus, my parents just dropped me off in my dorm. They just we just unpacked and they just drove back here. And uh there was a rule, or not a rule, it was it was kind of like a suggested uh way to meet new people that the, the dorm advisor told us to do It was basically keep your door open. And um a guy, a white guy, comes in my room and he knocks on the door, knock, knock, knock. And at this time, Fifty Cent and Ludacris was like real hot on the radio, on the radios and stuff. And he comes in and he's like, "Hey, what up, dog? How's that new Fifty Cent, dog? It's so cool, right? Yeah, it's dope, man." And honestly, for me, at that time, at that time, I didn't even listen to rap. It was like, dude, why are you talking to me like that? Like, I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I knew what we talked about, but I was like, that's not my thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that, fr- my freshman year of college at Mizzou, um, I'm quite sure you, you're familiar with what happened last semester yeah. up there. Uh, you know, that, that wasn't new, what, what those students went through. My freshman year at Mizzou, you know, I, I had that experience the first day I was there. Um, first week before school actually started, you know, me and a, and a couple of my buddies, we were walking around campus and, and literally campus police pulled up. On us and was like let us see student IDs, you know. Um, and here's the thing: there was a it was like four of us, and literally about twenty feet in front of us was a another group of, of white guys. Four of them, they didn't stop them. They pulled up on us and questioning us for IDs. And then, you know, there's it was so many incidents that went on. And long story short, Scott, my freshman year really it. It made me more biased towards. I mean, be, just be honest with you. At that time, white people, because you know, I mean, it was just
0: man hearing stories like that. I gotta tell you, I don't blame you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. You know, I was young, um, and then I, like I said, I realized that over time, I realized that it's not all all white people. And kind of going back to that that internship. Part of it was, yeah, the engineers, they were, you know, they didn't do anything, in my opinion. But another thing was, at the time, I had a lot more hair, and I had um, locks in my hair. And I, at the internship, we, we had to dress business casual, but I always stepped it up.
0: Oh, Don't tell me somebody. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, geez, I stepped I stepped dude. it up. So every day, I wore a shirt and tie, even though I didn't have to. I was always well-kept. Um, my locks were always well maintenance and uh i performed very well as an intern but you know one day i got called to hr and it's like you know there's certain employees that don't feel that your hair is appropriate for for excuse me for the workplace and um you know yeah seriously and and i was just like are you serious? Like, all these people come here with, with like, wrinkled clothes every day, and, and, you know, they look a certain way, but, you know, they want to address my hair and say it's not it's not professional and, and appropriate, um, but I'm performing well. And, and needless to say, I had a lot of guards put up, and it took me a, a, a long time to actually, again, rewire my thinking. So... Me doing Awari or even my cross-cultural strategic uh, branding with Melly Blue, Mm -hmm. all these things, you know, they come from a place of not just purely data-driven and researching and seeing that, you know, we need changes. But it's more so from I've been on both sides of this. I was a person that had a lot of strong bias. But I changed my thinking over time and, and honestly sometimes I still struggle, especially with this, this latest administration. I don't wanna to get too political. Sure. But but you know, I still struggle at times. But um I can recognize it and then when I when when some of these ideas pop into my head or or I say certain things, I recognize and say, Well, do I really mean that or is that coming from somewhere else? And if you can get to that point, that's when you know that you can actually change Your thinking, you could change your outlook on things, and that's essentially to make this whole thing wrap it up. That's the goal. As long (laughs) as you want, man,
0: because this is stuff that I. This is exactly why I asked, and I can't thank you enough for having a a very frank conversation about it. Because these are the type of things that I feel that that we we've got to hear them on the ground level. It's one thing to to see all kinds of biased media stories Mm. on every side of every issue, right? But they're going to be so twisted. Right. And to sit down with somebody in our own communities and, and, and hear the personal interactions, to me, that's what breaks it down. Yes. That's where we really learn. At least that's where I really learn where yeah. I need to be challenged. So I project that on everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. And, and that's essentially what you and I are doing right now, Scott, is the goal. Is to have people that may not truly understand everything about it or, or have different opinions. Even if I've always been the type of person that, especially as of lately, if a person has a totally different opinion than, than I have in terms of whether it's bias or you know the, the social climate or whatever, I'm willing to listen to that person because they may have a, a point of view that I don't necessarily see and but the i think that's the the biggest challenge right now is we need more people to listen you know listen to each other and then that's the goal of again the technology is to create shine that flashlight so you can have these conversations so you can one talk about it hopefully strategically and systemically make changes based off of data it's not just an idea of you know, are not is, just putting a, little, yeah. a bunch of keywords in yeah. and searching
0: for it like on a resume program. No, I mean it, it's it's crafting itself exactly. Depending on what it's looking at
1: exactly, and, and that's the and honestly with Awari, that's why we lean heavily in on the idea of artificial intelligence because you know we even with us developing, we have to also be very mindful of. How are we develop the algorithms to ensure that we're not instilling <laughs> bias, right? And that's I guess a I didn't challenge. Think
0: about that. that's kind of circular. Is can it evaluate it how it was developed? Right. It can evaluate itself. Right. Because whoever's developing it, it will They're... have some of their own. Right. So that's why it's
1: important. <laughs> that's why you know I look at things wow. like uh, even when we think about technology, tech technology in and of itself is inherently biased because you have a person that develops that develops the technology, mm-hmm. a person that's writing a code. So, you know, and you wonder why if you do like a, a Google search of, of tech CEOs, you'll see mostly white men. Well, yeah, maybe because there's a lot of white men CEOs, but maybe because those algorithms are developed and, and designed by people that don't see outside of their Silicon Valley right. I mean, perspective. It, it, maybe they, <laughs>
0: maybe <laughs> Maybe it's unconscious. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's hard.
1: So, but but with that being said, it's it's like you know as we're developing the technology, that was something that we went into it. Let's make sure we check our own bias, and, and if there is instances of our bias, how can we stop that in the in the development of our code? Because um, a lot of people try to think that code is just numbers and, you know, Boolean algorithms and all these different things. Yeah, it is. But, uh, again, a human created it. Yeah, there's so. a goal before it gets code. <laughs> right, right. So.
0: That is, that's yeah. pretty cool. I, I, I'm a little speechless at that. So, whenever, you guys are really... Really close right now. You're you're going out in
1: beta right now? Yeah, we're, we're actually going to beta launch uh, okay. towards the end of the spring. Okay. Right now, we, we did a, the announcement to come okay. one, Hopefully, start gaining some buzz of some sort. uh sure. Getting people excited, interested in And the feedback so far, we, we announced it last, uh, what was it, Thursday or Wednesday or something last okay. week. And we already have demos lined up for, I mean, global tech companies. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: man. Uh, International and global apparel companies, like they're already like, hey, let's That's let's check fantastic. this out. You know, a um, couple of local companies here are very interested as well. Um That what's funny is with the nature of my business, even with the the consultancy, Melly Blue, it's always been easier to connect with people outside of the Kansas City community. I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> is it
0: the you know you're taking for granted in your in your home or?
1: maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. That, that's always been the challenge. Uh but, you know, like I said, we're getting some some interest here as well. So and it's only been like I said maybe five days since we did our announcement. And
0: well that's encouraging, man. It, yeah, it like it really things is. are really on the upshot for us. Yes. It. That's awesome. So <clears throat> you it sounds like it's it's a platform that I'm guessing the amount of data in will will help. Yes. So larger organizations are really going to see a big benefit from it because it's going to be able to churn through tons yes. of data yes. that they can't do in, you know, as a person. you mm-hmm. know, w- Will it work for small firms too? Or can it learn from bigger firms to what to look for in small ones?
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely work for smaller firms. Um, it, it all depends on how much data they put in. So it, okay. it's... The way it's designed is it doesn't really matter what size of the organization. It, it, matters on, it matters on how much data is being fed. Okay. So even if you only have 10, 10 20 uh, reviews to upload, then it'll, it'll give you some type of feedback. But here's the, the, the thing that makes the, the technology special is it collects the data and it monitor, monitors it over time. So the more that you feed it, because, you know, you have to do... it gets. Yes, you have to do appraisals every... You know, some companies do every quarterly, some companies every six months, uh, biannually. They have an the annual appraisal. But the more that you feed into it over time, you start getting a, a better picture painted. So
0: Very cool. Now, it sounds... From what you said, it's primarily done with uh, um, performance appraisals and stuff. That's where it's, we're starting, yeah. It sounds like this could transition into uh, communications. To yes. internal and, you know, email and stuff like that. Yes. Because that's going to affect things, you know, <laughs> that's going to affect bottom line things. Yes. Right? I mean, how people are interacting with customers. If, if a customer is seeing an implicit bias that's that you're not. Right. And it's turning them off to your company. Hey, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's profitability for some people. Exactly. So this could go there.
1: can't Yes, it? yes. Well, we we that's the that's the next kind level of longer goal. Term, yeah, interesting. Uh, but we're starting off with performing performance appraisals for the simple fact that when you think about you know bottom line and, and just those aspects, retention is a lot more cost effective than continuing hiring new people. Yeah, and I fe- mean
0: the. I don't, like, I don't know much about HR, but what do they say? It's to hire somebody new versus retained, it costs some like 10 times Yeah, much. Or... Yeah,
1: exactly. And if you get to someone that's uh, in the senior level roles, it's almost 200 times or Jeez. 200% more uh, okay. cost to to actually go out and try to recruit and hire a new senior level or manager type okay, of role. so
0: basically we're looking at, you know, let's make sure we, we take care of these internally. Mm-hmm. And not lose people because of things we don't know we're doing.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, the number one reason why most Americans leave their job is because they don't feel appreciated. So when you factor those things in, it's not because they don't like the work. It's not because they don't like their co-workers. It's simply because they don't feel appreciated. So they leave.
0: And a lot of that could stem from things we're not thinking about. Exactly. That's really cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is officially blown. Well, that's well, thank really you. nice, man. How you guys have proud you've had to work on this for a long time.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a little over a year. Is uh, <laughs> and when I say year, I mean it's I do do the Melly Blue Consultancy uh, mm-hmm. during the day, and then <laughs> at night we're you know my my Chief Technology Officer, who's also my college roommate. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, we we were turning on this thing like weekends we're we're working on it. So it's been consistent work for like I said a little over a year now. Um and very dedicated to it. So to now even to get to this point to where we're gonna be again beta launching in about a month and a half or so it's it's really exciting just to man, that's cool. I can't get wait here. to <laughs> I can't wait to
0: see the progress. I mean this is something that's gonna I don't know. I don't know a lot about it, but it seems like this is gonna blow up pretty big for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, well I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's
0: very cool man. Well yeah i'm kind of speechless it's just <laughs> i've never um delved into this topic this deep and i, I really appreciate that so now scott good. i
1: you, if you can tell before we actually started the the, the interview you mm-hmm. was t- telling me a little bit about your upbringing um yeah yeah would you mind sharing because no, I, because I, I think that that's you know again this is an important thing I,
0: yeah i think you're right because I, <laughs> I did not come from a diverse background yeah. i mean i I'm very proud of my family and I, I, I think, you know, my parents didn't instill, you know, racist views in me or something like that. But I grew up in a Northwest Missouri farm town, like 40 people. <laughs> Guess what? Not very diverse. Right. I know that's a surprise, isn't it? But yeah. <laughs> the little K through 12 school that, that I went to, good people. But again, not one family of any, any kind of color mm-hmm. in the whole time I was there. Um, that, that I can recall mm-hmm. it's just not something in my background so right. hey here I am six eight white guy that wears cowboy boots probably <laughs> nice cowboy well, boots thank by you. The way. <laughs> appreciate it um, probably have a ton of things that I don't realize that I'm doing mm-hmm. you know and that's yeah that's huge but what I would encourage people that are listening to say and I, and I think this is part of your point this doesn't have to be scary, right? You know, you you laid out some really frank stuff, and I, uh, some of mine I think is too. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be frightening. <laughs> We're right. not here to attack each other, right? We're here to understand, right? That can be hard and it can be scary, but it can't do anything but help, right? So, and
1: and you know what I appreciate about you know you sharing your background is one you already did the proverbial flashlight in 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 a way, in a sense, to saying that hey. I recognize that I may have, you know, a certain types of bias based off my background. I may have just things I don't understand completely, and to me, that's a very important important step. You know, is even being willing to say there may be some things I don't know about myself. You know, <laughs> well,
0: and do you think do you think people on all sides of this issue have in the past kind of beaten this into us that you've got to be ashamed of, of your background. If there's some kind of bias created, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's true mm-hmm. because Hey, you know, you're born where you're born. Right. You can't change that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's right. just, it is. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is what it is. is right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to challenge there for sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would hope more people are doing it.
1: Yeah. And I think like, you know, like I said earlier, um, if we take the time to listen and just, again, recognize it and just call it for what it it is, what it is. Right. Just mm-hmm. call it for what it is. Again, that's a huge step in, in the right direction of just, again, if we want to talk about work, workplace things, mitigating bias. That's a that's a huge step there mm-hmm. on the social sense. That's a huge step there. So that's
0: cool. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a subject that can go on for a long time, right? And, and it should, you right? Know? And hopefully, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm hopeful that um, this is the kind of conversation that goes on at a bar downtown over a beer with people, yeah, every week. In Those are the best State. conversations, right? Yeah, you know when people are just,
1: I mean, t- being each other. Today is what St. Patrick's Day, right? Yeah, and this is a great time to do it down in Westport, you know. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean,
0: and it's hey, I'm not. Even kind of Irish. Yeah,
1: um, well, my middle name's Quinn, so yeah, that, that kind of ties you. in something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I mean, it's you know, there's there's a culture behind that celebration yeah. that a lot of us probably uh, are getting wrong. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think we probably do that. Like your example of uh, the individual on your first day at college. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us get that wrong. Yeah, you know, I was making those assumptions. Of who somebody is because of how they look or exactly. stuff like that. So, exactly,
1: and, and you know that's if I had to say anything, that's that's the goal with the technology. That's the goal of just overall my business with with Melly Blue is to it's never to it's never to come from a position of trying to make people feel shameful about anything or anything of the nature. It's more so about showing that diversity in the sense of not how we like to define it now but true diversity like having people from different backgrounds different you know whatever it may be it can be a, a value add especially in a business sense if Absolutely. you're doing global business it makes total sense to understand culture and, and sure. to understand these things uh so that's why i'm very big in in the idea of culture um and inclusion more so than diversity um like I said, I have very strong opinions. So that might cause call, <laughs> cause for another interview. But, a whole other thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I it just it's become a it's become a loaded word. Yeah. You know, very maybe much so. maybe unintentionally, but it has, and it brings people thinking about oh, you want a quota and stuff yeah. like that. And I don't get the impression that that's the direction you're going. No, it's not. Um, that you know, if you're just trying to fill a square, you know, is that really accomplishing a, a mindset shift? Probably.
1: Yeah, here here's the thing this is this is if I can sum up my views on the term diversity mm-hmm. um I'm always very clear to tell people that I don't believe that diversity is the issue the real issue is fully engaging and encouraging um, people from diverse backgrounds and companies so it's not really the I mean you see it now uh, companies go out and they're doing they're spending millions of dollars trying to Recruit diverse people. I mean, for example, Intel, I think back in 2015, they they had a huge recruitment of people of color, uh, specifically black people, into their company. Um, How long did they stay? Exactly. By the end of uh, 2016, that one-year cycle, they, they had recruited, I think, uh, my numbers may be off a little bit, but I think they recruited about 215 people by the end of the year, that cycle. 209 people left black people so
0: (laughs) now i'm understanding your thought process there is okay great we're recruiting quote diversity what good does it do to bring people into an environment that they're going to be uncomfortable with because of what we don't know we're doing
1: exactly got it that's (laughs) that's that's the whole goal of awari that's the goal of Melly blue is to help um People understand that, you know, it it makes, that's why I say diversity is is great, but that's not the real challenge. It's, again, encouraging and and empowering people from diverse backgrounds to be a part of the company and hopefully keep them there. It's more than just being there. Yeah, exactly. Very
0: cool, man. Well,
1: man, we got deep. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah.
0: So, um to lighten a little bit. Yeah. I always want to know what people love in Kansas City, man. I always want to know their hidden gems. Places that you love that you think everybody else should love.
1: Uh First, uh, I have to say my parents' house. Uh, <laughs> no, That's a good my, one. Yeah, my, my family, we get together almost every Sunday for Sunday dinner and we have a good time. Uh We'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yes. Hey, I have to invite you one day. Uh Whole community, they'll, they'll be fun. Uh That's cool. But, but, uh, outside of that, Places that I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy going down to um, Musician Mutual's Foundation in uh, 18th and Vine, or the Vine District, I should say. Um, if if you don't know about the foundation... Um, don't. And, and, okay. Sure Why well, that up? Yeah, well, I'll tell you real quick. Uh, basically, back when, you know, Kansas City's a huge jazz town, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in the, in the heyday when it was like the true stomping grounds of, of jazz and the classical sense of jazz. Before you can go off to Chicago or New York or or any of the major towns for jazz musicians at at that time, you had to go through the foundation. It was kind of like a rites of passage type of place. I mean all the greats play there. I mean uh Dizzy, Charlie, Charlie Parker, Charlie Bird Parker. I mean No way. Yeah, they all play there. And and here's how it's set up and it's still set up like this uh, to this day. You go there. um, I believe the hours, it it kicks off at around midnight on Fridays and Saturdays. (laughs) And and it stays open to like 6 in the morning. Uh, And from what I understand, it's one of the only places that is legally allowed to serve alcohol that late. All that late. Yeah. Uh, But basically, you go there. And if you're a musician, you go up with your instrument on stage and you play. And they play a lot of jazz standards. But if you can actually play, keep you're up. good. You, you you keep playing. If you if you don't play that well, they boot you off stage. No way. So yeah,
0: dude, I gotta <laughs> go check this out.
1: Yeah, man, it, it, it's a real cool spot, and especially That's if you want to go on a date with the wife or girlfriend or first date or whatever, it's a, it's a really cool spot to go to because it's it's kind of chill. They have um, food and, and and beverages, and I mean it, it has a good ambiance you know yeah. uh for a romantic setting unless you get somebody on stage that can't play and it's like whoa you got nobody <laughs> yeah but that's that's one of my uh favorite places um and then i'm, I'm more of a uh coffee shop type place uh I, I love coffee shops just to go hang out I love, uh, I used to say Quay, but I learned that it's key down oh. down in River Market. Uh, I'm
0: glad you said that because uh, I would
1: have got it wrong. Yeah, I used to always say Quay, but I, I learned that it's key. Uh, but I love that place. Uh, uh, my, my frat brother owns Ruby Jean's Juicery, Chris Good. I love his yeah, place. Yeah,
0: I saw him present at Million Cups, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, a, he, a he presented cool like
1: a month or two ago, yeah. Uh, I love going there um, because I'm kind of a health person. Um, but yeah, that's, those are like some of my places I go. I love coffee shops, just trying new places out. Very cool, man. Well, I
0: appreciate you sharing those. No problem. I got to tell you, man, this has been, um, probably one of my most, uh, opening and favorite conversations I've had in about 30 of these. So nice. Well, Hey, I appreciate you. you. much. I appreciate
1: the invite, Scott. This is
0: really cool. I hope, uh, hope to follow your stuff, uh, from here on. I, I, I can't see this. Not blowing up and going big for you guys.
1: Hey, I, I'll put it to you like this, man. Um, my goal with Awari is to become the next Kansas City's next I Verify in some yeah, some, some a, capacity. Another yeah. good story. Yeah. Think. So Love that's it, the goal. <laughs>
0: Very cool. Well, Lewis, thanks so much for taking all Thank this you. time out of your day and explaining it to us and, and just giving us all great stuff to think about, man. Appreciate all it, Scott. Right. Have a great day. All right, you too okay this may seem obvious but there's really nothing more that i can add to that conversation i can't thank lewis enough not for not only his time but such a productive candid conversation i encourage all of you listening to take this one to heart Go out and have a conversation with someone different than you. Don't try to convince them of a political or religious view or sway them to your opinion on something. Just listen to each other. Hear stories of their background. Tell stories of yours. And just get to know people who are different than you. And then take some time and reflect on that experience. Your openness to do this will make your life better. And in turn, make our city and our world better too. So I hope you got as much out of this show as I did. And more than ever, if you found some value here, I ask you to please share this with a friend. Not for the show, but just because it's a good thing to do. Once again, thank you for listening to Casey Greats. I'm Scott. I'll see you next time.